Well, welcome back to another episode of the New News Podcast. Uh, we just wrapped up day two of Cardinals winter warm-up, uh, which was just, it's been an exciting and fun weekend so far. I can't thank the Cardinals organization enough for um, inviting uh, inviting me to be at the media. It can be credentialed for it. So we've gotten all the access to the interviews and stuff. And then uh, Andrew and Sandy have been here throughout the weekend to kind of hang out and see what's going on with um, all the different Cardinals content and stuff. And so we've met some of you along the way, which is super fun. And I'll be there again tomorrow. So if any of you want to say hi, please come say hi. Um, Andrew, how has winter warm-up been for you so far? Um, what's the, What was the experience like? Because I know this was your first one. Yeah, um, I didn't really know what to expect, but it was super fun um, getting to hear from all of the the management and from the players on the stage. Um, and getting to, to hear from some of our viewers um, just coming up to us. And uh, I didn't expect it at all. It was, it was kind of strange being like, oh, hey, uh, listen to new news. But it was also super awesome to like meet everybody in person. <clears throat> it was just super fun um, overall. Got to interact with some of the players. I know you had more of that from the media perspective. Um, but um, hopefully fans fans enjoyed meeting us and to ask us questions. We got to ask fans some questions. So overall, just a really enjoyable experience for me. Yeah. There's definitely a lot to cover. And so as we're coming through this, um, if anyone has any questions, things you want to address, things you want to talk about from the past two days, I think there was a lot, um, a lot of really interesting things, to, like storylines for the immediate future for the Cardinals, things to look out for individual players, but also some bigger picture nuggets that I think will be interesting. So, um, Andrew, where do you want to kind of start our conversation off from this weekend? Yeah, so I feel like we should start off um, with the Mo Presser, um, which is how we opened the winter warm-up weekend for the media people. Um, so what were some of the key takeaways from that? I know there were questions with payroll um, and questions on if the Cardinals were done adding um, any more pitchers. Um, any any takeaways from that presser? Yeah, let's start about the payroll and the budget and stuff. So obviously um, over the offseason, it's been a big question of how much will the Cardinals spend, how much are the Cardinals willing to extend themselves, Obviously, um, the last few weeks, I feel like the RSN um, questions has been more of a thing where people are worried about what's the regional sports network's um, impact, the Valley Sports bankruptcy on the Cardinals and their ability to spend. And then you have the DeWitts come out and make some comments that, and I think it's this is important, like their comments were that they don't anticipate significant spending any more of that. And I know significance a relative term, but when I hear significant, I think what they're trying to do is temper the expectations of Cardinal fans who want them to go spend a hundred million dollars on a player or 30. Like they're not going to go sign a guy who makes 20 million a year, 15 million a year right now. That's probably not in the cards, but they are open to continuing to add. And so then John Mosellock uh, was asked about that. Like, do they have room to spend? Do they plan on doing more? Um, Mosellock confirmed all the above. He said, yes, we have more money to spend and we have more room. It really appears like a reliever is probably the most likely. Um, but then he was asked later, I think it's Ben Fredrickson was in the room who asked that. Um, he's like, is this limited to just bullpen support? Like, are they just looking to add one more reliever through free agency? Or are they open to other moves, other positions? And Mo said, yeah, we're look, we're open to adding throughout the roster. And so, again, I think it creaks the door open and it opens the possibility of a potential trade, um, whether it's for a starting pitcher um, I really doubt a position player acquisition, but I guess you never know or the bullpen. So um, I th- I think, Andrew, might be my question to you with that, and I can answer as well, is uh, Derek Gold did a <laughs> – I thought it was pretty funny. He put a tweet out with his article, and basically it was like, us, we report, Mo says they're not done. Twitter tells us they are. 
goal. Like he just kept saying, like we the reporters kept te- keep telling you Mo saying they're not done, and it seems like fans don't believe that. So Andrew, when you hear Mo saying that, and that it seems like they want to add another reliever and they're open to other moves, do you believe that? Do you think they're actually going to do that, or do you think they're going to end up going into spring training with the roster they have now? Um, it's it's really hard to say because with the front office, you can never like fully take what they say at face value. Um, Mo says a lot of things like Matt Carpenter's are starting third baseman, for example, and then he goes on trades for Nolan Arenado next day. Um, I feel like in the past, though, when they promise moves that will be made, um, it tends to it tends to happen more so. Um, like last offseason, they're like, we need a catcher, so they got went out and got Wilson Contreras. Um, this offseason, they're like, we need three starting pitchers. They went out and got three starting pitchers. Are they my favorite three starting pitchers? No, of course not. I wish we'd gotten like maybe Tyler Glass now instead of Lance Lynn, for example. But um, it definitely did the job. Um, so I feel like another starter, they haven't like promised it. They haven't been like, oh, yeah, we're going to go get that six starter to have six starting pitchers. Um, but um, I feel like another reliever is almost certainly going to happen. Well, now whether they go out and sign Josh Hader or uh, for like a no. year, $20 million, or if they sign like Trevor Rosenthal to a minor league deal, like they haven't really like stated how they're going to go get that reliever. Like, I don't think Josh Hader is going to, to come to St. Louis. Like no. rumors have mostly been squashed. And also Trevor Rosenthal, like probably can't be the only reliever move. It's just two like extreme examples. Yeah. On either side, but um they're probably gonna end up somewhere in the middle of that um they get someone that that will be serviceable but not someone who's gonna like close games for you next year because helsley romero gallegos is probably still your core um of of guys doing that um one thing i do want to know um is if there is a little bit of a, a, a something getting lost in translation between the front office and between ownership so like the dewitts were saying we're not going to go out and make a big splash but mo was saying there's still something left on the table is there something maybe a miscommunication between the two of those like i wouldn't put it out of the question especially for the cardinals organization who forgot that tommy edmund had gotten surgery like it's just something that that seems like very on brand for this organization unfortunately yeah we asked mo about that Derek gold did and mo uh just yeah he said they forgot and then he pulled out a um like a file basically and started pulling out the roster and looking through to make sure he didn't forget any other injuries. And so that, uh, that got a, that got a laugh out of a lot of us. Um, I don't, I, I don't think there's miscommunication at least from between the ownership and front office. I think it's maybe more, maybe how things are said. Um, and I also think people, again, read into comments a lot and say like significant spent. We're not going to make any more significant spending and we're happy with our roster means they're not doing anything else. And that's not what it means. It means we're not going to go out and overspend. We're not going to overspend in their book. They're not going to make a super big splash uh, financially, at least. That doesn't mean they can't make a, a significant trade that doesn't bring on a lot of salary, but um, but then fans see that as, oh, they're done. And I just don't, I think that's probably more of the problem is people are misinterpreting comments and stuff. And, but Mo's been consistent that they're not done. Like at the Sunny Gray press conference, he said, we're not done. After getting Andrew Kittredge, he said, we're not done. Like he hasn't said we're out of things. Um, I just think he's also tempering expectations because 
like say say they are potentially interested in Dylan Cease, they're not going to go out there and say we're going to trade for a starter because there's a chance it doesn't happen. Even if they really want to, even if they're aggressive, maybe the Orioles just offer an insane package that the Cardinals just would be foolish to match. Like a lot of people don't want them to trade Nolan Gorman. So what if the White Sox say we're not doing this unless you include Nolan Gorman? Is it the Cardinals' fault they don't pull off the deal? Because you'd be really mad at them if they traded Nolan Gorman. So like I think it's all relative. So. I personally don't think there's much of a like a, a lack of cl- I don't know. I just it, for me for me it feels like people are reading in the comments a little bit more than what there should be. Um so yeah, that's kind of where I stand with the budget and stuff. And when if I'm personally like thinking about what I think they'll do, I'm I'm very confident they're going to add a 7th or 8th inning guy, um which I in the chat was just acknowledged of like that's a it's not necessarily something that's going to excite fans a ton, but again, that's the kind of move that they need to make to make yeah. this team competitive in 2024. I think people just don't really realize they did add Andrew Kittredge. They did add Nick Robertson. They've added some other arms and they add one more reliever. They've significantly overhauled the bullpen in one off season while burning in three starters. Again, is it what I would have done? No. Is it flashy? No, but is it effective? I think so. Um, so I anticipate that. And then I just, I keep coming back to, especially Dylan Cease. Like I just like, you're seeing some of the asking prices that they're making of the Orioles, Yankees, stuff like that. And that's stuff. The Cardinals probably aren't going to pay. But if these teams are kind of scared off of it and they kind of go other directions, like the Yankees sign Snell or they that mean that put them out of it and the Orioles just aren't going to match the price, the Whites, like it kind of feels like this is a deal that could fall into the Cardinals' hands. And so I think that's something that the Cardinals are open to. But if it doesn't work out, then they feel good about the rotation. But if it does work out, they're not going to not do it if they like the deal. So I don't know. I it's we'll see what happens, but the the perception we all got but from Mo in the room is uh, we'd be shocked if they don't add another reliever. Or, shocked me is not the right word. We'd be surprised if they don't add another reliever. And I really do think they're open to more moves than that. So um, maybe moving on from the budget, unless if people have questions about that, um, like like Cody uh, from uh, Ryan Stanek, like that's a guy that's been mentioned in reports and he'd be an interesting guy that could potentially fit. I would say Ryan Brazier is another option in that price range. Um, but we'll see. Phil Maton seems a little bit more expensive than what they're looking at, but you never know. So um, one of the other bigger storylines, I think, from Mo's press conference, um, I asked him about Heim Bloom and just that, like, there's four different relievers they've acquired this offseason that are linked to Heim. And so I asked him, like, did, did Heim play a role in any of those acquisitions? Um, and then what do you see Bloom's role? with the club moving forward and as in the advisory role, like what does that look like? And Mo said, yes, that's we, I bounced these off of Heim, especially because he had a dotted line connection. Um, And then he saw Heim as someone again, that they could bounce ideas off of, but then also he's a guy that can help them get a better understanding of where the Cardinals organization stacks up to the rest of baseball, because he does have that background with the Tampa Bay Rays and just, the ability they've done to develop young talent. And obviously he just led baseball operations over in Boston. So you get that perspective into the clubhouse. Then Jeff Jones followed it up and saying, which is a good follow-up. John Mazalock has said at his spring training press conference when he, when they announced the extension that after 2025 was probably the end of the road for him. He was probably going to be done as the president of baseball operations and Mo confirmed that's still probably the plan. And then Mo went out of his way to say, Hey, like bloom, isn't someone like everyone's jumped to conclusions that bloom is that guy. And that's not what this is right now. 
But he did then say, but at the very least, it strengthens our bench of options. And then he name dropped Randy Flores and Michael Gersh. And he talked about how him and Bill DeWitt talk about a succession plan a lot. And so it's pretty clear that Hein Bloom is a guy that at some point is going to be looked at for this role. Whether Hein does Hein Bloom want that? I don't know. Is are they going to leapfrog um Randy Flores and Michael Gersh for it? I don't know. Um, I'll start with my take on it though, but personally. It's an incredible option to have Hein Bloom as sitting around as a potential next in line. I know Boston didn't work out very well. We've talked about this, and actually, in a, about a week and a half, we're going to have someone who's very connected with the Red Sox on to talk about Hein Bloom. And I, I know that didn't go well, but in general, he's a guy around baseball that people really value and like. And I'm sure there's things he learned from his Boston experience that he would do better and do differently in St. Louis. Um, but again, the success he had with the Rays at the Rays way and developing pitching, the success he had in Boston, identifying talent. They did make the ALCS at one point during his tenure there. I know they traded Mookie Betts, but that was more of an ownership decision. I really like that. And even if, if it's not him, then hopefully he's rubbing off on Randy Flores or Michael Gersh so that the next person in the line is the right person. But as much as I love Randy Flores and as much as I really like Michael Gersh as well, I don't know if... Like, that's a big ask and a big leap to ask someone to go from GM to president. Like, they've been around a while and they're experienced and they're really good at their jobs. But when you have a guy who's had that experience before in a big market like Boston that has even sometimes even more fan pressure than St. Louis has, and he kind of had his hands tied behind his back at times and had to make really hard decisions that weren't really his fault, you have a guy like that who could potentially step into the role. That is I, it's just not going to be many more qualified people just sitting out there for a job like that. So I really like this. Um, I think it's something that we're going to be talking about for a really long time for the next year or two. And it might become, I remember my temple predictions of Redbird Rants. I said, we're going to get more clarity on the front office situation by the end of this year. And I think that's true. I think by December, January of next year, we're going to kind of know who's next in line. Um, in 2025 is going to look very different when Mo is kind of transitioning now and the next person is transitioning up. So I really like this high bloom stuff. I'm, I was really surprised that Mo even went to talk about it. I kind of thought he'd shut it down, throw water on it, be very quiet about it, but he left the door open. Like he did with something else we'll talk about Andrew, like, what are your thoughts on that? And, and I'll throw another question at you that I'll answer myself. If 2024 goes poorly, do you think a succession plan gets accelerated or do you think it's something that they're going to stick to the end of the 2025 timeline? But first, what are your thoughts on Mo's extension or Mo's uh, succession plans and talks so far? And then the idea that potentially could be accelerated if things go poorly. Yeah, I feel like Heim Bloom, you don't bring that kind of guy in unless you're planning to like, Put him in a bigger role unless it's like a one-year sort of thing because i feel like heim bloom is the kind of name that would be desired around baseball to like lead a like say the rockies or, or like the a's or something like that um <clears throat> like one of those teams could pick him up to be their gm um but very clearly like um there's a plan in place in st louis to have him here to some extent like i know maybe he doesn't want it want one of those roles right now but he's going to want one of those roles in the future um but as for this season, like if it goes poorly, I feel like the first person to go is Ollie Marmol. Um, and um, we'll talk later about Yachty being a potential option. Like he's just been um, added to the uh, the same role as Heimblum, essentially, another, just another option um, for like coaching or for management um, if things go poorly. I feel like 
Mo has bought himself enough of a leash that if this year goes poorly, he probably has a little bit longer to, time to stick around. Um, but I, I don't really know. I, I don't know how patient ownership is um, with um, struggling for another season. Obviously not that impatient with it. Like they, they're, they seem to be prepared for a similar situation this year. Like in case like Kyle Gibson and Lance Lynn just don't work out. Like they, they didn't go out and do like what the Dodgers did after getting swept by the Diamondbacks or what the Mets did um, last off season. Like obviously the Cardinals don't operate that way, but I feel like if they got in like a really panic situation, they like have three losing seasons in a row, they might go out and do something like that. Or they might like, I don't think they'll ever tear it down. I don't think um, that's something that's ever going to happen, but um Based on the way that like spending was this offseason, I, I feel like they're not gonna. It, it's not necessarily like John Mozeliak's fault if if they're not competitive next year. Like they they said they wanted three starting pitchers with the constraints of spending. Um, it was really hard to go out and get like two like ace caliber pitchers and then one like Kyle Gibson. Um, so it's really unclear uh, for me. But I feel like my gut gut reaction is. Um, if this year goes poorly, Ali Marmol goes, and then John Mozeliak gets to stay a couple more years. Um, the succession plan um, gets extended, as you as you said. Yeah, I definitely don't. I would agree. I don't think Mo is gone before the end of his contract. I just think the longevity he's had, like even if, uh, because uh, a fan asked him that um, during his fan Q and A about would you consider blowing things up if things don't go well, and he seemed pretty candid. And he even kind of talked about with us um, in the media, I can't remember how it was phrased to him, that that's just not really something they think they'll need to do and that they're exploring even thinking about. Um, but then Mo was asked, uh, I think it's by Kyle Reese, like, what is some self-reflection you've done this last year? And he said, honestly, when you get in a chair as long as I have like this, you start to develop, you potentially could develop some arrogance. And he's just very candid. And I think he should, like, I think this is credit to John Mozeliak this offseason that he has brought in a Bloom. He has expanded the coaching staff. He has brought in Yadier Molina. Like he's not saying I've got all the answers and I'm going to make it all happen. I think he's trying to prepare this organization for what's next. And he said for a couple of years now, I think having me in a role like this for so long, things start to grow stale. This isn't the DeWitts getting rid of John Mosellock and John's not going, Mosellock's not going anywhere. Like, He's the he's not going to go on to another organization. He's going to be promoted and move up higher into the Cardinals organization, maybe into the ownership group, maybe into some kind of more business role. Um, but he's not like they're not booting him. They're not trying to get rid of him. If he wanted to stay longer in that role, he, he probably could do it for a really long time. But I think he sees that this club just needs new leadership, not even just be, not because he's not good enough anymore, but because it's just trying to be the soul the, the the leading voice for that long it's just hard to be creative it's hard to be different it's hard to keep up and so um we'll see what happens at that um when we get into the coaching conversation we can address this dusty boy question but um from cody i wonder if they'll consider randy flores as a, a replacement i they surely will um and that's a name mo only mentioned two other names when he talked about succession and it was michael gersh and randy flores and so um Randy Flores is very thought thought of very highly around baseball. Michael Gersh has been considered for president of baseball operation, president of baseball operation roles with the New York Mets and other organizations. Um, so both of those guys will be considered by the Cardinals. And if the Cardinals don't move them up, I'm sure they'll probably get poached by another organization at some point. And obviously Heim Bloom. So that's a lot there. Um, Andrew, you mentioned the other transition of leadership that potentially could happen. And 
the Cardinals have a lame duck manager this year and Ali Marmol. He's going into the last year of his contract. Uh, when Mo was asked about it, I think he's at the winter meetings. He um, said he had full confidence in Mo or in Ali, but then he kind of started to cast the seeds of doubt um, when he said, but I have an ownership group and he kind of like put it on that of like, well, I can't like, we have to have results. And so Ali can't just get extended to be the guy coming off of a year like this. Burns and Yachty. And then it was asked of him during the press conference, hey, what are the optics of having a Yachty or Molina? And is that something that could become an issue? Ali versus Yachty type of thing. And he said he doesn't anticipate it being an issue. But then he basically just said, we'll see. <laughs> so uh-huh. he he kind of was like, I mean, I hope it's not an issue. I hope Ali's the guy. I hope it goes well. Um, but it, he said the exact, the exact quote was, it could become real. We'll find out. We'll find out. So <laughs> I... What do you think of that? Like, do you do you think he's we're basically just asking for a duel? Nah, a duel is probably not right, but like a big controversy or a big storyline coming into the season, or I don't know, some some that's gonna be team performance. But I, I expected Mo to shut that down and not make it a storyline. I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, I feel like it was always going to be a storyline if you bring Yadier Molina back on the organization in any role because it's like no secret that he wants managerial roles. Like he was the manager of Puerto Rico in the WBC. Um, I think he made like open comments about saying he wanted to manage Major League Baseball in the future. So like you bring him onto that role and always automatically in a hot seat. Like that's just kind of I feel like if you didn't see that coming as the front office, then you made a mistake. Um, but I don't I don't know um, if Ollie's going to get extended either way. I feel like the Cardinals could have a really good season and the team could still be like, hey, we're going to move on from you. Um, and that could still be something that they deal with. Um, but, I mean, it's it's a little interesting that, that Ollie's sort of seen as a yes man because he is. Um, and then they're going to go and, and switch to someone like Yadier Molina. That's probably part of the succession plan, I guess. Like if, if Mo brings in a younger voice – brings in a voice that has doesn't have as much experience in, with him to lead the Cardinals as president of baseball operations. You probably need a manager that has more like say in what they do on the field. So I feel like if Mo is out in, in a couple of years, Yachty's probably going to end up managing this team. And I, I can't see the Cardinals allowing him to go to a different organization. It just feels so wrong because he was drafted by the organization. He came up, he'd never played for another organization. So to have him, um, with the Cardinals is it just seems right. Uh, like, could you imagine if he like went and like managed like the Rays or something like that would just be so weird. Um, I don't think yeah. I would be able to handle that. Yeah. That was another thing I, in my 10 bull predictions, which I feel like I'm feeling pretty good about my bull predictions one right now. Cause yeah. I feel like a week after there was something else that I was like, I feel like anyways, I, so some of them I thrown out there, but like, it's kind of happening. Um, and I mean, was it really that bold to say Ollie versus uh, Yachty? But my prediction is that they're, by the end of 2024, one of them's going to be gone. Mm-hmm. I don't think Yachty's going to sit around an extra year and wait around to see what happens. Unless unless he's really content with it, what's going on in Puerto Rico and he doesn't really want another role, that's okay. But I think he's going to want to manage really soon. And Ollie's a young manager. And so if you extend him, you're hoping that he's there for a while and that kind of closes the door on Yachty. But if you want Yachty to be manager, you have to get rid of Ollie. So it's kind of an interesting position they find themselves in. I agree with you, Andrew. I think 
there's a lot of scenarios where Ali could be out even if he doesn't really like fail. Um, the Cardinals could sneak into the playoffs and they're not good enough to beat the Braves or the Dodgers. And then the Cardinals decide, okay, you've missed the playoffs one year and you've been bounced in the first round two years. We're going to go to Yachty. I could see that. Um, I could also, again, see a bad April and they make the change or all-star break. They're at or below 500 and they make the change. Like there's a lot of scenarios where this could happen. Um, so I think it's something to watch for sure. If I had to bet one way or the other, I would say, I would say I, just because there's so much that could change, like there's so much that could go against Ollie that's not even in his control. I would kind of bet toward the Yachty um, situation. And I also think too, you pointed out it's not, even if Ollie is Moe's guy, is Ollie Randy Flores's guy? Is Ollie Michael Gersh's guy? is Ollie Hein Bloom's guy. Because if any of those three guys are the next president of baseball operations, they're going to have say in the manager. It's not Moe's decision. And they're not going to extend Ollie for just one year. So I kind of think one of the first major decisions, or at least that we're going to really see the next president of baseball operations hand in, is probably going to be the next manager, unless April or May comes around and Ollie's not, the Cardinals aren't doing well, then they might just get rid of Ollie. And it's kind of Moe's decision. Bo and ownership's decision. Yeah. Um, but we could, yeah, we could see a lot of changes there. It would be an interesting question to ask Ollie tomorrow at the, the presser. Um, <laughs> someone's <laughs> going to do it. He, his press conference is always uh, kind of funny, especially when the Cardinals aren't doing well. But um, yeah, definitely something, definitely something to keep your eye on. I don't think Ollie's future in St. Louis is, is going to last much longer, unfortunately. I was a big fan of him last year. Um, but uh, this past or in 2022, man, it's already 2024, but like, <laughs> um, 2023 was just so bad for the team that, uh, a lot of the controversies that happened with like O'Neill, um, a lot of the things that happened with like, even, I think it started like poorly just in spring training. Cause he had the, the incident with CB Buckner, like really early on. Um, and mm. that's when Ollie started to be like, uh, a little bit more of a controversial figure. Um, in the Cardinals like space, but I don't, I don't think you can like just relegate him to be like a bench coach again. Like, I feel like usually you go up um, through an organization and get fired like Mike Schilt did. Um, and now he's managing yeah. the Padres, but it'll be interesting to see uh, if, if I had to pick between Ollie and Yachty, I think I would go with Yachty because um, we've, we've kind of seen what he does as a manager, like just as a player kind of makes those decisions already. Um, and, like I, I would a hundred percent want Yachty to make a mound visit um over Ollie like any day. Um, because I feel mm. like we've seen Dusty Blake and Ollie go up there, talk to Giovanni Gallegos, and the next guy hits a three run homer and it's like, Oh, okay. Um we never really saw that when Yachty was the, the catcher. So I don't know. It'll be yeah, it'll be fun. I'm still I'm still an Ollie guy. I really like him, but at the same time, I'm like if you told me like if the Cardinals manager job was open right now like say say Mike Schill got fired yesterday and it's Ollie or Yachty I probably hire Yachty right because it's just it's hard to say no to that I also think he's going to provide a very different dynamic yeah. that Cardinals want to see, the Cardinal fans want to see now will it be the best one I don't know I I am confident I like the idea of Yachty as a manager but I don't know if he's going to be like the best at it and I also I think it's kind of tricky. Like if he went to the Mariners or he went to the Mets, like 
it's a little bit easier for them to like cut off a relationship if it's not working. I'm something I've been really intrigued or like really kind of concerned about is if things go poorly with Yachty as a manager, how do the Cardinals handle that? Because that could get messy quick. Um, and you don't want to ruin your relationship with a legend like that. So I think you're just asking for some trouble there, but at the same time, all the potential benefits of Yachty as a manager, I get it. And so, um, I also think like, I just think there's a lot of things that kind of get pinned on Ollie that weren't necessarily his fault, but at the same time, you kind of have to answer for it. Managers either retire or get fired. They don't like, and most of the time it's, they get fired. So um, it's a kind of a business where you, you get your way to the job and then you wait to get removed from it. Um, even the best ones mostly get fired from their roles as a manager. So it's gonna be a tricky, tricky situation for Ollie going into this year. And I'm excited to see how the press conference goes with him in the morning and the kind of comments he puts towards stuff like that. Um, Montana wanted to know a little bit about Dusty Blake as the pitching coach. And um, the part of the reason I think there was no change there um, is again, well, two things. One, we point to the pitching staff and say it, we all should have known it was bad. So like, if you think the pitching was bad, you can, I don't feel like it's fair to necessarily blame the pitching coach for that. Like it, you can only do so much. Um, now am I trying to say Blake did an amazing job? No, not necessarily, but there's also different guys who've credited Dusty Blake with a lot of their changes. And Adam Wainwright is a big fan of him, but Adam Wainwright is more old school. So it's interesting that he's really interested in a Dusty Blake. who's more analytically driven. Um, but it's something that the Cardinals are missing last year is that Dusty Blake served a different role on the team as instead of pitching coach and they lost Greg Maddox and they, they uh, promoted Dusty Blake to pitching coach, but they didn't replace Dusty Blake's role. So they just kind of had a lighter major league staff this year. And so one of the things you've seen is they've added different coaching roles and they've added these advisors to expand their staff further. Um, and I can't remember who it was this weekend, but someone was talking about the fact one of the pitchers, I think, um, that they feel like they're going to get more access to the coaches and get more eyes on them because they felt like their their staff last year was so stretched thin because there just wasn't enough of them. And now instead of 100 things on their plates, they're going to have 50 things on their plates. So it'll be easier for them to interact with the players and to stay on top of individual things and do more coaching in that way. So um, the last probably big tidbit, I would say, from the, all the John Roselic stuff and Obviously, we'll continue to provide coverage on the podcast, Redbird Rants. You can find great writing from all the other writers who were there this weekend. But um, he was asked about the potential of a Paul Goldschmidt extension, if that's something that the Cardinals are looking to do. And he uh, – let me find the exact quote from Bo. Um, he said, I think everyone just wants to see how the season starts. And so – it's not a top priority for him right now. And it also doesn't sound like it's a top priority for Paul Goldschmidt. It kind of just sounds like they're going to let at least the beginning of the season start, maybe come to an extension midway through the year, or they're going to let his contract run out and then they're going to figure it out next off season, which seems kind of, I didn't think that's the route they'd go. Andrew, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I feel like a lot of national media and myself included uh, have kind of fallen into the the trap of like, oh, yeah, um, the Cardinals are good every year. But like now that faith has kind of been shaken. Um, but I think that with the changing of the guard with with Molina retiring, he was able to, to fill a lot of the holes, in my opinion, that the pitching 
Um, like he, he was able to hide a lot of the, the like flaws in the pitching staff that have been present for a long time. Um, and I don't like, I, I still think Wilson Contreras should be the, the starting catcher every day, but I don't know if he can really do that even with like Lance Lynn, Kyle Gibson, Sonny Gray, some of the more veteran arms that we've acquired. Um, I, I just, I'm not fully confident that the Cardinals will be good or a playoff team this year. And I know that's like a really negative thing to say, especially in January when the season hasn't started. But I also really am interested to see how the season starts. Because if we start off and we're like on fire and the pitching is like really working, we're getting quality starts from all these guys that was promised, then I'll be like really optimistic because the lineup that we've constructed, I think, is one of the tops in baseball, um, probably only behind like the Braves, Dodgers and Phillies um, in the National League right now. So, I mean it makes sense to, to wait on a Goldschmidt extension because um, you could probably recruit some of the value of the trade deadline. If the team really does struggle. Um, I don't want to think about that right now. I, I still want to think that the, the team will be good um, next year, but like uh, right now, I really don't know. Um, and the, the classic, like, Oh, the Cardinals are just good every year. They're going to always be in contention after last season, after seeing what life without Yachty looks like, which is, good to have him back back on the on the coaching staff hopefully he'll be the one calling the pitches instead of wilson Contreras. um but um we'll we'll see we'll see what happens um and i i like that agreed on all that and so uh, yeah we'll just see what happens i i i doubt they're selling but i also can see a scenario where even if they do well this year that who knows maybe they don't want to carve out 20 22 million dollars for paul goldschmidt anymore he might not have a great year we'll see what happens but they have brendan donovan who play first base they have alec burleson they have luke and baker who was slimmer at winter warm-up and looks ready to try and maybe establish more of a role for himself maybe thomas said jc at some point maybe that's a position they move wilson Contreras to in the future so i think they want to be a little bit more open with the idea of first base rather than lock themselves into it i do think at the end of the day they probably work something out because i do think goldschmidt's gonna be better this year and i do think they like to hold on to hall of famers and they don't want to let him go somewhere else and i don't think goldie's gonna look for a four or five year deal i think he's probably looking at two years and done so we'll see with that um but i also don't necessarily yeah i don't think we'll know for a little while what that looks like so um speaking of brendan donovan though um and someone that we like there's just a lot of different people that we've talked to over the weekend and I really want to go into some of the players I was most impressed by and some of the people that I thought maybe had some more storylines. And the first one, not only was I extremely impressed by, but I think all the media were really impressed by. And it sounds like the Cardinals team, the roster in the front office is really impressed by is Brendan Donovan. He's coming off of obviously an elbow surgery. He had a, um, again, another great year except before the injury happened. Um, <clears throat> but he's a guy that when he came into the press conference, um, he was asked about his leadership role and he kind of talked about how like, yeah, that's, he's excited to be a leader on this team and he's someone that wants to speak into things, but Jordan Walker, Lars Newbar, different people throughout the weekend have talked about how Brendan Donovan has been one of the word I kept hearing was a driver. He was a driver of the leadership. He was a driver of culture. He was a driver. He was a guy that was going to tell people when they were doing something wrong and help them get better, not out of spite, but because he really cares about them, he cares about this team. He's excited. Even when he was on the sideline this year, he was a guy this offseason who's just ready to get back on the field in 2024 and for things to be different. And I think that there's been a lot of 
sometimes I don't think it's, I don't know how fair it is, but criticism that the Cardinals lack leadership in the clubhouse and people saying that Goldie or Renato maybe aren't stepping to the plate with that. I don't know how much of that would be true, but obviously the Cardinals have talked about bringing in veteran leadership this offseason with Kyle Gibson, with Lance Lynn, with Sonny Gray. It is clear that the organization and the players all see Brendan Donovan as a leader on this team. And I just think it goes to show why the Cardinals weren't willing to trade him this offseason. And they expect really big things from him this year. So to, um, kind of what's been your reaction to all of this, like Brendan Donovan as the leader or one of the leaders? I don't think anyone's like he's the sole leader of this team, but it's clear he's one of the leaders in the clubhouse. I think that's really great that we're seeing that from Donovan, um, especially um, to see like one of the younger guys come up. It makes me concerned about Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado. Um, and they were not present this weekend at winter warm-up. I think there were some like rumblings that, that the front office and management wasn't too happy that they weren't here this weekend. And I, I don't know what is going on with the two of them, um, but it, it's concerning to not hear that like about this about those two guys who are like supposed to be the leaders the two like hall of famers like pretty much locked like if they could retire today and both make it to the hall of fame i think if if arnaud is eligible i think they're both eligible anyway um i i think both of those guys um should have like kind of stepped up to replace the Yachty Pujols sort of leadership. And they either weren't ready or they weren't like, they're not like that type of player. Both of them are like really quiet. Um, they, they're sort of lead by example guys. Um, so I'm not sure that's like the best thing to be saying about Donovan when there are those like hall of famers in your clubhouse. I know Lars Newpar had comments about Nolan Arenado, like when he's angry, then he plays a lot better or whatever, which is great. Like that's what happened uh, after 2021. He he finished third in MVP voting, but then last year he kind of trailed off a little bit. So hopefully he's he's even angrier and like more intensity um, and is able to like to contribute at that MVP caliber level again. But I'm a little bit concerned about those two. Um, that that's what this kind of tells me. Really excited for Donovan though. Um, I don't think they're going to trade him um, now. I feel like no. that's almost certainly off the table, but like out of, between Gorman and Donovan, like my, my, like the guy I would have wanted to trade has always been Donovan. I think it still is Donovan. Cause I think um, his, his skills are like replaceable by like different players and Gorman's like 40 home run power from second base is only possessed by like three people in the entire league. So like, you just can't really find that anywhere else. But um yeah, now it just seems like they're not going to move either of them, and they're they're really high on both of those guys um, to be contributors in the future, which is really exciting. Um, really yeah, like. I agree, and I well, I I agree. The part I don't agree with is I wouldn't trade Brendan Donovan. I just think, he, and I don't think he's. I think in theory he's replaceable, like some of the things he does, but I think having all that in one player is so oh, yeah. valuable. And again, you can't yeah. replace. I mean, you can, but it's hard to find a guy that the whole clubhouse in his after his second full season at majors looks at as a leader like that's the kind of guy who's going to drive this team forward and i think they really need people like that in the clubhouse and i also think like something that large new bar talked about which again i i didn't hear a single person say anything negative about paul goldschmidt or all or not oh, no. and frankly i also think sometimes like not that anyone does intentionally but i think sometimes when when people ask direct questions about Brendan Donovan or other players, but they don't ask like, who do you think the leaders of this team are? Like mm -hmm. no one asks a question like that. 
And if you ask that and no one said our Nolan Arnado, no one said Paul Goldschmidt, mm-hmm. then I'd be concerned. But it was kind of directing people toward those conversations. So like if people start writing, oh, Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arnado weren't mentioned, I think it's unfair because no yeah. one really asked about that. And, and there wasn't really an opportunity to go either way. And I know you weren't you weren't saying mm-hmm. that, but I think it's a, a conclusion people could jump to. Um, <clears throat> Newpar spoke very highly of Nolan Arnado and was just thinks he's really locked in and ready to make this season yeah. happen. I think he mentioned he's one of the guys in the cha- text chain that's talking about stuff too. Um, but also like speaking of like, like things that they could provide to the team, Lars has been working with Nolan Arnado into being able to pull the ball more. And Nolan Arnado is one of the people who pulls the most balls in baseball. Like he hits almost exclusively all of his home runs to the pull side because he's just that great at it. You have a backside homer in 2022. That was the whole thing, you know, the new. Yeah. Yeah. But like, other than like, he's mostly a pull hitter. And so if Lars Newbar, he's saying he like, I want to take the pressure off of Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arnauto, Wilson Contreras in the middle of the order. I think this starts to lend itself more to Brendan Donovan as that lead off hitter, Goldschmidt, Newbar, Arnauto, Contreras, Gorman, Walker, as those like two through six hitters that like are mashing in the middle of the order. Mm-hmm. And then you have whoever that extra guy is each day. Um, I guess I left someone out here. Oh, we know that's two through seven at that point with all those names. And then Donovan or uh, Edmund and Wynn at the back of the lineup. I think that's a recipe for success here. And so uh, we've talked about on the podcast before, but Brendan Donovan was one of the best players, one of the best hitters in all of baseball from the end of May through the time he reached the IL to end the season. And I talked to him about that. I asked, that was the question I asked him. I was like, hey, you found success at the plate at the end of May till the time your season ended. What was that about? And he talked about how, something that we all really loved about Brendan Donovan and still love about him is that last year's rookie year, he was super selective, took a ton of walks and he had a, I believe he said he only swung at 11% of first pitches. And he said the league adjusted to him to start the year and he wasn't taking advantage of pitches to hit. He was starting Oh one all the time. And so he starts swinging earlier in the count and guess what? He still was an elite on base guy, but now he was also slugging and getting a higher average as well. That from a leadoff hitter, someone who's aggressive, but at the same time still gets on base as one of the top 15 on base guys in all of baseball, that's dangerous. And then the fact that you can move him from second base, third base, first base, left field, right field, DH, Brendan Donovan, you can't get rid of that guy. And if Paul Goldschmidt really is not going to be here next year, like think about a lineup where you trade away Paul Goldschmidt and or you lose Paul Goldschmidt and you trade away Brendan Donovan. Mm-hmm. This lineup starts to get a lot weaker even with Thomas to JC coming up. And so I think you hold on to Brendan Donovan and I think you try to figure out some other way to make things happen. Now, another, a guy that I've been more open to dealing, <laughs> I actually am starting to be like, I don't want to trade him either, which is the tough part about all this. But um, the second guy I'd probably mention, uh, not necessarily in this order, but the guy I want to move us our conversation to next is Thomas to JC. Mm-hmm. He was, I really like Thomas to JC. He walked into the room and, He's just one of those guys who's super laid back and you can just tell he's a guy that everyone really likes in the clubhouse. He won. I do you remember what the award was called from the Texas Rangers. It was some like league MVP um, or was that? Well, the... So he won the league MVP, but he also won an award for like the character award. Yeah. Like, from the heart organization. Yeah. He was basically like the, the guy of the year in the minor leagues. Yeah. Room. And you could tell he walked in and he was a guy that was just really fun to talk to. He was really personable. He was really laid back. Um, he was really kind. He's very thoughtful with what he said. But then he, whenever he talked about his ability on the field, he goes, 
I mean, all I can do every single day is I work as hard as I can. I he kept saying hustle all the time. He's like, I hustle, I hustle, I do what I can, I play hard, and I let the results be the results. And and he even talked about he's like he's got a chip on his shoulder from being traded from the Rangers. Like he's seen his his old team celebrate the World Series, and he's like, that kind of motivates me to to prove them wrong, to prove that I'm that guy. Um, and it also meant a lot to him that the Cardinals wanted him, that they brought him in. And so Thomas said, JC is a guy that I think he's going to be really good. I don't know how good saying and Bernard Donovan and Nolan Gorman are really good. So even if he's just that good, that's really good. But like if, if Thomas said, JC is going to be really good. And if he's a guy that we don't, I know you just said you might be willing to move Brendan Donovan, but do you think at some point having three second baseman type mold guys means you need to potentially move one of those guys to get the value that this team needs on the pitching staff? Or do you lean the other way and say, Hey, we're going to be really, really good because we have all this young talent. Yeah. I was actually listening to, to what Mike Gersh and um, Randy Flores were saying on this stage this morning. A lot of it yeah. was very surface level, very like, yeah, you know, we evaluate pitchers this way. We evaluate people this way. Um, we have scouts in Japan. Like I asked a question about um, how they evaluate the Asian leagues, and they were basically just like, yeah, we send scouts over there, and they look at the players, and they tell us. And I was like, well, okay, that wasn't all that helpful. But um, they said that they they value pitchers differently, or they value their players differently um, than, like, say, the MLB top 100. And, like, guys like Tommy Edman, Lars Newbar, Brendan Donovan are guys that were not ranked highly at all on um, – any of the MLB pipeline, MLB like rankings, but internally they like value the the players a lot. So I feel like um, it, it's very possible that other teams don't value like Brendan Donovan nearly as much. So like getting trade value out of Donovan might not be as effective as like Nolan Gorman, who was a top hundred prospect at one point. Um, <clears throat> but I still really don't think that you should trade Nolan Gorman. Um, Nolan Gorman can play second base. You can stick Donovan in left field. And then if the JC plays well at first base or third base, um, well, not third base, but like you can, you can stick him at one of those positions. Probably shortstop um, is probably like where he would end up if, if we extended Goldschmidt, but if we don't, then he can play first base. Um, we also need a DH. Gorman can do that. Um, I feel like having those vers versatile players, which is what the JC is probably going to train to be at spring training, is, is really beneficial. Um, and I know um, I made the comment about Donovan, like being replaceable with like, many different players, but like also um, that versatility is something I, I really value. Um, so like having, having multiple players in one, you know, is something that I think is, is very important um, to have. Um, so yeah. if you can go get your, get your pictures somewhere else, um, go, go pay for Corbin Burns next off season. Um, Walker Bueller, Garrett Colm has an opt out. I think he's going to stay with New York, but um, it's definitely something that's on the table. The, the pitching market next year is going to be like really, really good. So if you don't have to give up Donovan or Gorman to get Dylan Cease, go do that. But if you have to wait a year, that's fine. Go go out and pay a guy. Yeah, and I also think too, like the uncertainty of Paul Goldschmidt <clears throat> potentially opens up a clear path for Thomas to JC. Even if Paul Goldschmidt returns, it's going to be two years at most. And then Nolan Arenado also is getting older too. So like, I think it quickly, like other scenarios will potentially open. But even if you have Paul Goldschmidt back next year, you've got Nolan Gorman or Brendan Donovan second base, the other one at DH. And then you have Victor Scott in center by that point, hopefully, and then Walker and Newbar in the corners. Like, so JC can be the 10th man where he might play a little bit less than the rest of the guys, 
but he still probably logs 120, 130 games. And when he fills in at second, third, or short, and then um, <clears throat> a Donovan can go to the outfield or DH, like the, in in some ways the Cardinals can start to shrink their everyday, like their most consistent players, and they can have a basically a 10 man group that plays the most, maybe 11 man group. And then you kind of figure out the rest from there. So I do think there's a role for him, even if like, they don't, they don't need to move him necessarily. Um, I also am curious to like, <clears throat> if the Cardinals can get to the trade deadline with the current rotation, they have, they might be able to acquire a Dylan Cease who will only have a year and a half of control left at that point, or, other guys in that mold for less because again less control or the following off season they could go after him as a rental and then again they won't have as much or they won't have to give up as much um again that that hurts me to say but i think this is where you kind of get to the philosophical argument of like how much do you go all in on a season versus how do you continue to sustain a long-term team and i just as much as it feels weird to say when you have Paul Goldschmidt and Lauren Arnado, I kind of feel like this team is better set up for 2025, 2026, 2027 to be a real contender. And so to like take some chips that can really help you down there. I, again, you can't hold on to everyone, but I would be much more inclined to move one of the pitching prospects and Dylan Carlson or, or Alec Burleson and stuff. And, and uncle Ted saying here, like when now no excuses, totally agree with that. But I also think like, you can also think like, do we have to give up Thomas to JC right now? Or can we figure out a way to make things work for a little bit and then figure out a better way to add that talent later without having to give up the best guys? I don't know. It's, it's, it's a tough call. And so I, 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 it's getting, I, I can see why the Cardinals are really torn on a lot of their position players. Cause even Alec Burleson, he's a guy I was impressed by, but we probably won't talk a lot today. He seems like a guy who's primed to break out. Um, there's just a lot of young talent on this team. And so, it's really exciting. So <clears throat> next I want to talk about um, another guy that I feel like we should be talking about here is friend of the podcast, Victor Scott. Um, so next Mookie know, Andrew, Betts. Yeah, Andrew, do you want to go into that? Like what's with this Mookie Betts comment? Um, I think it was taken out of context. Um, yeah. I, I think uh, Jordan Walker referred to Victor Scott as like the Mookie Betts of the team, but that's not really because of like his play in baseball. Victor Scott's not going to play second base or shortstop ever. Um, he's also not going to hit like 35 home runs next year, but, um, I think it was just mostly because Victor Scott's really good at basketball and really good at bowling. And he's just a fun guy to be around. Um, and like, it's very similar to Mookie Betts who like bowls perfect games all the time, which is really cool. But I, I don't think that that quote has anything more to it than just like Victor Scott's yeah. a fun guy who's good at bowling. Here's um, the exact quote. It was Walker said when he was asked about him, he's an unbelievable athlete. I don't know if you guys have seen him. He's an unbelievable basketball player, unbelievable, unbelievable bowler. He's kind of like the Mookie Betts of the Cardinals, I would say. So like well, it has nothing to do with. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. even in the room, we all knew that. So like, I'm, I don't know. I, I, I know it's like the fun headline, but I don't love that. That's like the like clicky headline that people are using. Cause it just, I don't know. It's inviting criticism that doesn't need to be there. Um, <clears throat> but anyways, he, well, yeah, Victor Scott in general, though, we've had him on the podcast multiple times. So you can go back and look at the charity live stream. You can listen to my first interview with him. He's just such a fun guy, and he's a guy that really knows himself well. Other guys in the organization see him as a guy who's rising. <clears throat> he's really, really, really improved as a hitter. Um, that's 
like he's probably taken made the biggest strides as a player in one one year like out of the whole Cardinals organization he's a guy that he's referred to himself as this and Mo has referred to himself as this but as basically this is what Scott said today is he used to be a runner who played baseball and now he's a baseball player who can run and that's the biggest difference in his hitting ability now is he's a guy that he knows how to play within his skill set. He's working on driving the ball, adding more exit velocity so that he can keep hitting balls in the gaps and then run into some home runs here and there. Um, but he also brings elite speed as well. And so um, he's going to be elite defensively as well. I really think he's going to try and make it hard on the Cardinals in spring training to not let him be on the opening day roster. Um, I know, Andrew, like you and I and Sandy have been really high on Victor Scott. So like, why, why, do you, why have you been so high on Scott? Yeah, I think having a, a leadoff guy who can steal like what was it, ninety six bases um, in the yeah. minor leagues, like that's that's always exciting. And it's like um, one hundred and twenty games too. Like they don't play yeah, one hundred and sixty. It's, it's so. crazy how like just how like the volume of stolen bases. If his hit tool plays in the major leagues, and if if he has a good spring and he can show that he can hit major league pitching well, then I, I see no reason not to to have him as the starting center fielder. Then you can move off Edmund. Uh, he can play some shortstop or second base if, if necessary. And and like he becomes at that point an expendable trade piece if you have Victor Scott um, in center field. Um, I, I just say give him a chance. Like obviously if he's not ready, he's not ready. He's yeah still very young. He's still got plenty of time to, to show that he's major league ready and to be called up. Like he'll be up here probably by the end of the year. Like I'd be really surprised if, if we don't see like him debut by the end of the year. Um, but like just the way he he talks about it, the he's a student of the game. He the way he conducts himself, like he's always trying to learn. And the quote yeah. about him him being a sprinter who can play baseball, uh, going into a baseball player who can sprint, like that's something that I really like to to hear. Um, and like he's just kind of burst on the scene. Um, I wasn't like all that aware of him. I knew he was like super fast, um, but like for him to be like a legit prospect is really exciting to me. Um, I real quick just want to address Uncle Ted's comment saying, "Imagine the Cardinals outfield with Adelise Garcia and Lane Thomas in it. They're not going to play. They're going to be fourth outfielders." So, <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Well, honestly, like I mean, take okay, who do you want? Let me. I'm asking you, Andrew. Who do you want, Lars Newbar or Lane Thomas or Dolce Garcia? Which one would you pick out? Oh, Lars Newbar every single time. Um, Jordan Walker or Adolf Garcia or Lane Thomas, like which one's number one? Yeah, Jordan know? Walker every single time. Like it's okay. not even. Yeah. Up, so up like two of the three outfield spots, they're not going to play and then center field, which neither of them are really center fielders, but you'd probably take them over Victor Scott right now. Not Lane Thomas. I'd still take Victor Scott for sure. Well, neither of um, Garcia or Lane Thomas can play center field either. Yeah. They like could play center field, but they're not like center fielders and uncle Ted. I mean, I, I get that. Yeah. I mean, well, Lane Thomas, I, I think it's pretty clear Lars Newbar, Jordan Walker, better than Lane Thomas. I, I know he had a good year last year, but I just he's a good player. It's just the Cardinals are better outfielders. Lars Newbar, I get he hasn't put together a full season full yet, but when he's been healthy and been on the field, and he's had weird freak injuries. He's not a guy that's like injury prone. Maybe if there's another year like this, you can say that, but he, he hurt his finger and was out for weeks sliding into third base. And then he uh, hurt his groin on a foul pit, a foul ball. Like those are two of the injuries. And then he had one like kind of normal injury to his back, I believe. Like he missed most of the time last year for freak injuries. When he's been on the field consistent, he's put up like top 25, top 30 in baseball offensive stretches 
but he just hasn't been able to play a full season. Now, do I think he's a top 25, top 30 hitter? Probably not. But do I think, I think in my bold, yeah, my bold predictions, I said he'll be the best player in the Cardinals this year and he could get some MVP votes, not in the top 10 necessarily, but he could be like, like you'll see guys finish 15th or whatever because they got a couple 10th place votes or 9th place votes. That's kind of guy Lars Newbar could be this year. Um, so, and I, yeah, I just think the Cardinals are going to be fine. So outfit, outfield wise, but yeah, you go back to Victor Scott. He's a guy that talks a ton about like, um, the, the kinesiology side of things and just like the body work he puts in and the science behind what it means to hit a ball hard and hit a ball far. Um, and so that's something that I think is really impressive. He's his, both of his parents are sprinters. And so, he was a, like, he understands like how to get better and how to like, cause when you're that fast, the tenths of a second matter. And so he even talked about in the press conference. He's like, well, when a guy has a one, two, one, three, or a one, three, one, four, one, four, one, five. So 1.3, 1.4, 1.5 seconds to the plate. He's like, oh, I just, I just go. It's easy. But when they're one, 1.1 seconds, 1.2 seconds, then I have to look at these things. Like he's a guy who cares about that kind of stuff. So you already know he's already thinking about it. And then again, he's made strides defensively where I agree, Andrew. I think he's a guy that very quickly would become the center fielder. He potentially could be a leadoff hitter in the future with all that speed and is just growing back. And I think it makes, when we're talking about trades, a Tommy Edmond expendable to potentially move on from to go get that pitching you need. So we'll see what happens to that. Um, well, I, I'll answer this question real quick before we move on to some of the more players. But um, Tink did have a press conference on the first day. So we already talked to Tink, and <clears throat> he's really impressive. He's a guy that is really looking to build off of his 2022 season. He pit, almost pitched 100 innings for the first time. That's his goal is to get way over that this year. Um, he had a little bit of a rough stretch after he had an injury, but otherwise is really good. <clears throat> he's looking to hone in on his secondary pitches. Um, Nolan Arenado will not have a press conference. He's not at the winter warm-up this year. And then Wilson Contreras will be tomorrow. Um, so, yeah, let's just keep moving along. Jordan Walker, big news was he put on some weight. He's at 260, and put on weight is in like muscle strength. Um, what are you thinking about Jordan Walker going into the season? Yeah, I feel like it looks like it's obvious to me that uh, Jordan Walker has been um, trying to improve this offseason. Um, he's also a student of the game, someone who's always trying to get better. And he was already a really, really solid hitter last year. He's one of the more complete hitters that the Cardinals have had. He hits the ball super hard. So if you can just elevate a little bit, he'll be like really, really dangerous. Yeah. Um, but what I'm like more worried about is his defense. And I feel like um, it sounds like he's been putting in the work um, yes. for that. Um, it sounds like um, he's been actually like spending more time trying to play the outfield, which to be fair, last season, like we didn't expect him to be an above average defender because he had been playing the outfield for literally like two months yep. at that point. Like he, he was a third baseman his entire uh, time in the system. And so the Cardinals trade for Nolan Arenado and it's like, Oh, okay. Well um, we can't have him be um, a third baseman anymore because he was locked in long-term uh, couldn't opt out of his contracts at that point. So I'm really excited to see what Jordan Walker has in store for, for 2024. Um, I think, I think he'll be really good. There's a chance if he starts elevating the ball, he might be one, like a top 20 hitter in, in the major leagues. Like that's how his, how high his ceiling is this year. So yeah, hopefully um, like with the added muscle too, the power is only going to get, get stronger. Yeah. And that's something he, he said is that as he's, 
put on more muscle mass this year. And then as he's been working on his hips, using his hips more when he's swinging and making sure he's activating them, he has seen he's hitting the ball harder and farther again, even more so than he was already. And so he's a guy that's continuing to figure out how to use the talents he has. Um, I think Fangraphs had in his like 80th percentile projections as like, again, a top 20 hitter in baseball. Like you said, maybe even top 15, top 10 type hitter in WRC plus. We might like as much. I think there's so much talk about will Goldschmidt or Arnado be able to like rebound and be the guys who lead the team. There's there's a chance Jordan Walker pops off this year. We've seen it with the Fernando Tatis Jr. before. We've seen it with Ronald Acuna. We've seen it with um name a young star who either in the first or second year pop off to be one of the best players in baseball again i'm not telling you right now Jordan walker is gonna be a top 10 top 15 player in baseball but would i be shocked if he's a top 25 player in baseball this year no i wouldn't be at all especially offensively um and he's just proving more and more day by day that he's got that kind of talent um and that's something that he talked a lot about during the press conferences. He just wanted to build off of his experience last year. He came up and led the league in ground ball rate his first uh, year up in the major or first month in the majors in April. It's 60% of the balls he hit were on the ground. He lowered that significantly when he came back up. And so he was driving the ball more. And he said, that's the big thing he's been working on is just driving the baseball. The more he can drive it, that's more doubles and home runs. And yeah, George Walker's going to be good. I'm I think I texted you guys that after the press conference. I was like, mm-hmm. guys, Jordan Walker, he's gonna be a star. So I'm really excited about him. And he's talked about his transition defensively. He's been working on that all offseason. He's with Jose Okindo right now, working on well, right now, right now. He's still wearing a warm-up, but he's been working on with Jose Okindo, making sure he's getting better in the outfield. Um <clears throat> and he talked about how he really wants people to harp on him and get on him about it. Like he doesn't want to be babied about it. He wants people to be blunt and honest with him. He said, Brendan Donovan, someone who does that for him again, Brendan Donovan shout out. But then uh, he said, Jose Okendo has been working with him pretty hard on that. So um, <clears throat> let's round out with one more um, or I've got one more, but we can address a chat question. But then as we're coming through, if you guys have any questions in that chat, please let us know um, anything you want to know from winter warm up or just our thoughts Cardinals in general. But I've got one more player I want to touch on. But before that, Lucas asked about our thoughts on Libertor going into the season. So Andrew, how do you feel about Matthew Libertor? Yeah, he seems like kind of the odd man out, and I just don't know what to do with him. He's so inconsistent at times with his velocity last year. Um, I feel like he starts the season again in the minor leagues, which is unfortunate, or as like a bullpen arm. Um, I don't yeah. think I don't think they're going to plan on having him in the rotation anytime soon. I feel like he's had enough chances at this point where we kind of know what we're going to get with him, which is – Really sad to say because, like, he was like the saving grace. He was supposed to be the saving grace of the, the Randy Rosarena trade. It just hasn't panned out for us. Um, and it's like, don't trade pitching prospects with the Rays. The Rays will get everything they can out of their, their young pitching prospects. So, I mean, I guess that's a lesson going forward. Um, but it, it's a little frustrating to see see what um, he's been uh, he's been so far in the major leagues. But um, hopefully um, he, he can rebound at least as a solid bullpen arm. Yeah, and that's something that I think it wasn't necessarily incredible results of the bullpen this year, but it was something that the Cardinals really were intrigued by was his ability of the bullpen. And he his main struggle has been holding velocity and holding his like being sharp for five, six, seven innings in a row. Like he can do it for one, two, three inning stretches, but then he starts to struggle a lot. Um, and so that's something that 
he's been working on this offseason, trying to build velocity, trying to make sure he knows how to get through seven innings because that's what you need six innings to be a starter. Um, <clears throat> like you said, it's kind of unclear where his role is here because you have the starting five right now, but then you probably have Zach Thompson above him, and then he's probably fighting with um, a Jerom, a Gordon Graceffo, a Michael McGreevy, Max Rochick at some point could be a guy in that conversation here soon. Um, Tink Henson, Toko Roby will be in that conversation again soon. And so at some point, there's not enough rotation spots to go around. You need guys in AAA who are pitching so they're ready to come up when you have an injury. So I think that's kind of Libertor's role, unless they really like him out of the bullpen and want to put him there. So my thoughts on Libertor is he's still really young, which Steve Steve popped about or talked about here in the chat. Um, so there's a, there's really a good chance he could turn things around at some point, but, um, his role right now is pretty unclear to me. So maybe Heimblum will fix him. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe Heimblum will fix him. Um, which he did draft him. I don't know if he was there when they traded him. I can't remember. I think he might've been. Um, but anyway, so a couple last things or one, one last name I really want to talk about and then we can. See, figure out if there's any other i've seen some comments in the chat we haven't addressed yet that we could but um the other guy i think just briefly i want to say is i think fans are going to love sunny gray oh man he just he was so fun to talk to and he just he really cares and he's a competitor and he talked about like he really is excited to catch with wilson Contreras because he's a competitor and um he something i thought was really interesting that um i was talking to brooke grimsley about it today when um when we were just kind of waiting around for the next interview is that sunny gray pointed out there were some things <clears throat> when he talked to mosaic about coming to st louis because it wasn't a done deal like he was going to potentially sign somewhere else and the cardinals call and said hey can we make a deal work and so like he was about he's about to go somewhere else and he and then he decided i want to go to st louis that's a big deal he was talking to Mo and was asking if they had, he wouldn't say specifically what it was, but he would say, Oh, do you guys have this thing for a pitcher? How do you address this? And Mo would say, Oh no, tell me more about that. And Sonny Gray was just telling him some things that he's experienced, whether it was with the twins or something else that's helped him be a better pitcher. And the Cardinals went out and they made those hires. They brought in people or did those things to whether it was coaches or uh, pers- like personnel and the and the staff to help him prepare as a pitcher. Again, he wasn't very specific, so it's hard to know. But the Cardinals have made changes to how they, whether it's develop or help their pitchers based on things Sonny Gray's already told them, which I think is really encouraging. But then again, I think it shows Sonny Gray's commitment to winning is that he came here and requested the organization does things, or at least said like this would be helpful because he wants to win and he wants to do the highest level. And Sonny Gray is just he's been a really good pitcher for a long time i think if he didn't have that weird year in new york people wouldn't view him as lowly at times as they sometimes do um but i think he's very quickly the results on the mound and then the kind of guy he is and the comments he's going to make and the personality he's going to bring fans are going to love him so andrew anything you want to comment with sunny gray at all on that yeah i'm i'm excited for him um i i still think we should go out and get somebody that's better than him i know sandy's gonna like he's not here to defend himself again, but um, how about like, in yeah. the same tier? Can't, yeah, can't Sunny Gray be in, Sonny Gray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't Sonny Gray be an ace? Yeah, he can be. I think he's, he was he was an ace last year. Yeah, um, but I'm just excited. Like that's the kind of mentality that we need um, in this organization. Like it's it's what Wayno had um, for the longest yes. time. Or but, Carpenter. Um, yeah, 
So um, it's good to have a little bit of a transition um, to someone with, who's like-minded. Um, and it didn't work out for Wayno last year, which is really unfortunate. Um, but I think Sonny Gray will will do just fine. Like he's not gonna, he might not finish top two in Cy Young voting. We'll get to our bold predictions. Sandy's gonna have him winning it. I can already tell you that. But um, like, yeah, it would be it would be really exciting if he could be like top ten, top fifteen pitcher in the league. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, I don't want to put those expectations and say he has to be that good again but i think he could be that good for sure so again if i just talk about the guys i've been most impressed by so far there's i'm gonna have an article about this coming out early next week but the top five i'd say right now no specific order i'd probably say brent donovan is number one though but jordan walker sunny gray victor scott thomas and jc really impressed me at these at the winter warm-up and i'm really excited to hear how the interviews go tomorrow and what we hear from wilson Contreras and other guys like that but molly yeah, Ollie tomorrow morning, Lance Lynn. We'll have some interesting conversations. So um, a couple other things. And then, again, if you guys have any questions or things you want us to chat through, um, we'll definitely talk about it in here. Um, I think these are kind of related. Um, let me find the – I'll pull up the first one of it at least. But I feel like there was another comment related to it. But it was, do we believe that Edmund is the starting center fielder by mid-May or do you think they figure something else out? What's your thoughts, Andrew? I mean, Edmund was really, really good. Uh, defensive run saved last year, I believe, um, in center yeah. field. So I think Edmund is moved off center field for one of two reasons. Either one, his injury is worse than we're leading on, and we have to like replace him with Victor Scott at some point. Or the second one is that Mason Wynn just isn't like up to snuff, um, and he has to take a trip to the minors, or he starts the year in the minors. And um, Tommy Edmund has to be the starting shortstop for a little bit, which is fine. Um, that's understandable. <clears throat> I, I don't expect that to happen. I think Mason Wynn, like some of the comments he made were encouraging. Like he he's not taking the starting shortstop job for granted. Um, he still is trying to work on his um, offensive abilities. Um, and I'm just I'm excited to see see what happens with that. Um, but there there is definitely a chance that Mason Wynn isn't ready for the majors just quite yet, and Tommy Edmund has to slot in there. But I'm yeah. I'm pretty comfortable with him in center field, at least for for this year. Um, Victor Scott's gonna come up, he's gonna take that role for sure because he's an 80 grade defender. He might win a couple gold gloves in center field, um, just right off the bat, but um not not concerned about Edmund in, in center field at all. Yeah, I think um, if I had to bet, I would say um, Victor or sorry, uh, Tommy Edmond is the center fielder by mid-May. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. I don't think they're gonna rush Victor Scott, but I wouldn't be so. I may be a little bit surprised, but I wouldn't be shocked if Victor Scott is the starting center fielder by then. And I think there's a path to where it makes sense for the Cardinals to utilize Victor Scott in that role as soon as possible. Again, you could say and you could probably make an argument for that Victor Scott's already showing he's going to provide you similar defense, if not better defense right now, and definitely long-term in center field than what Tommy Edmond gives just because of that elite range and speed he has. And then again, <clears throat> something that, so this is the related comment Steve Wright brought up is that I don't know if this exact strats that's true, but he said he saw a stat where when Victor Scott bunted last year, he hit 706. Um, Victor Scott talked about, and he has he's a really good bunter, especially against left-handed pitching. Kyle Reese pointed it out today. Um, when he, he talked about, he he practices every every time. I think three times a week he goes in to do hitting stuff. Right now, he does a hundred bunts 
from each side. It's like, like so against like each side of pitcher, I guess, something like that. He just he said 100 bunts from each side every single time he works on hitting. So that's a that's a part of his game. I do think Victor Scott, if he can prove that he's a significant enough upgrade, or at least in the same range as Tommy Edmond as a hitter, and then you've got the speed that again Tommy's fast, but not Victor Scott fast. And you got the defense. You can put Victor Scott in center, and then again, like you said, if Mason Wynn, if Mason Wynn struggles, Edmond can go to shortstop. If he doesn't, then you have Tommy Edmond off the bench. Who any so basically now you have a guy like Tommy Edmond who, whenever you don't have your starting lineup in, you're replacing him with Tommy Edmond. So your left fielder, like when you have to sit Lars Newbar for a rest day, you have Tommy Edmond who can come in, or you have Victor Scott come out, Tommy Edmond come in, Mason Wynn come out, Tommy Edmond come in. Don't the second base, Tommy Edmond can play. He could be a defensive sub. Like that's a really important two off the bench. And then I would say toward the deadline, then him or Dylan Carlson can really become available in a trade, which could help the Cardinals get pitching. So I think that's like the ideal path in my head for the Cardinals this year, is that at some point. Victor Scott before the deadline can establish himself as the everyday center fielder. So then they have the flexibility to move off of <clears throat> a Tommy Edmond or Dylan Carlson to go get some pitching. So I, I, I do think Tommy Edmond is the answer for right now. And, but man, Victor Scott's coming and I just don't know how you don't put him in center field when they deem him ready. So um, it's the big thing. So, um, I think I don't really see a lot else in the comments right now. So if there's any last questions you guys have um, that you want to address from winter warm up right now, um, San or Sandy, oh man, I went the whole pod not calling you the wrong name and now I've done it. But Andrew, any other lasting thoughts on the winter meet or geez, now the winter meets winter warm up that you want to talk about? Yeah, no, it was super exciting um, to meet everybody. Um, really excited for the season to start. Um, and yeah, it's just been, been a really, really fun time covering this team for you guys. And, um, Tommy Edmond, one last word about Tommy Edmond. Yeah. He, he is so good in high leverage. Um, he, I think his, like his numbers like spike, um, when there's runners in scoring position. So having him off the bench would also just be really beneficial, but yeah, I'll let you wrap up. Yeah, no, that's, that's true. And I, I'm getting, I feel like I sometimes like my dad jokes about it that he thinks I'm a Tommy Edmund hater and I love Tommy Edmund. I think he's an awesome player. Again, I just, I, if I had to rank the Cardinals second baseman shortstops and center fielders, he falls behind Gorman, Donovan, Wynn and Victor Scott for me. So mm-hmm. that's the only reason that I think of him as a movable piece, but um, oh yeah, let's one more question real quick um, before we wrap up is from B Bezo Bezo. Sorry if I butchered that, but Oh man, there's two more. Okay, I'll, I'll talk about two more at least. But is uh, Mac Rochick and what did you like? So the big quote I'd say from him is he had three goals going into 2023. He wanted to throw 140 innings. He wanted to be promoted to Double A, and he wanted to win Minor League Pitcher of the Year. And he accomplished all three of those goals. And so he's a guy who's motivated. He's excited. Uh, <clears throat> it was his, I believe that's his first full season of big or of Minor League ball too, and he had a ton of success. And so he's a guy I really like. He's not. Again, he doesn't necessarily have the ceiling of like an ace or a frontline starter, but he is a guy that could really factor into the future of this Cardinals mid to back rotation. And so he's a guy I'm really excited about. Um, and I, th- I know that Sandy's really high in him too. So I think this will be a big year for his prospect status. Um, he wouldn't, we asked him what his 2024 goals and he said he wouldn't tell us. So he keeps those close to the chest. So 
But if, if they're anything like his 2023 ones, he's going to be very successful again. And then Lucas brought up um, how often do you see Ivan Herrera starting this season if he's a strong spring? So what do you think, Andrew? Like like percentage-wise, how like how much of the time do you think it's Contreras versus Herrera if Herrera has been really good? If Herrera's been really good, I feel like it could be like a 60-40 split. I know the team isn't that high on Contreras's like defensive abilities, which is unfortunate because I don't think like I don't know why you would have gone and signed him if you thought like his defense was going to be amazing. Um, so I think they um, they kind of overplayed their hand with Contreras. They're like, oh yeah, he's going to be so good defensively when he's never really been that in his career. Um, but I could see him like starting like thirty five to forty percent of the time, um, Herrera, and then Contreras DHing. I really want um, the DH spot to be like locked in, like Gorman sort of, or like Burleson to to like kind of split that role, but. If we're going to see Contreras at DH a lot more, that's also understandable um, based on like what was happening last year. Yeah, and Ivan Herrera talked about that um, Juan Yepes actually helped him be, like break out offensively last year. He I suggest, at least suggested or talked about how he needs to move his hands out. So you'll notice that Ivan Herrera like puts his hands out kind of in a very different way, like from his batting stance, kind of like this a little bit. Um, and once he did that, he started to mash the ball. And so in, you can look at his AAA stats this year. He had an over 900 OPS, and he was really good um, in the major leagues in that small state he had as well. And so I, if he's playing really well, they're going to want to try and get him in the lineup as much as possible. I'd probably say like a 60-65 split, maybe more 60-40 um, split for Contreras being 60% of the time and Ivan Herrera being more like 40% of the time. But um, and that's probably more as the season goes on later, but um, I think it's Contreras, the everyday guy, and then Ivan Herrera. Like they, they've said, Mo said this, they want Herrera to catch more than what Yachty's backups did. Like they don't want Yachty, they don't want Contreras catching 130 something games. So I bet Contreras gets like 100 or so, and then Herrera gets like 60. So, but I think overall, that probably wraps up our conversation from this. Um, if there's anything significant tomorrow from Ollie or other stuff, uh, we can potentially go live or I'll go live and we'll talk about some more of this. But um, Or we've got our episode Wednesday as well, which we've got a fun guest coming on. Um, I think we could just talk about it. Big, uh, strong guy, right? It, but, yeah, big, strong guy. So if you guys have questions for him, we'll ask. But Andrew, who's our guest on Wednesday? Oh, we'll be having Stubby Clap, first base coach. Um, he's a bigger, stronger guy. So, um, you know. <laughs> We'll definitely have to ask him about the Pete Alonso situation, but um, Nolan Gorman, I think today was talking about how he, or Mason Wynn was talking about how Stubby Clap is like, like an elite fun go uh, ground ball hitter. And it's really hard to feel ground balls off him. So we're going to have to ask him about that. And he's, he's got some international playing stuff with can team Canada and stuff. So he's a really fun guy and we're excited to have him on the podcast. Um, so I'll have that Wednesday. Obviously, we'll bring on we have got some different stuff going on from this weekend that we'll be talking about. Check out Redbird Rants for more coverage. Um, again, I want to thank the Cardinals organization for the opportunity this weekend we've had so far. It's been really exciting to be able to cover the, the team and cover what's going on from a firsthand perspective. Um, <clears throat> and again, thank you guys for anyone we got to meet along the way. Thank you for all like just subscribing and watching. Again, if you're a new listener here, we just are consistently bringing awesome coverage and fun stuff on here. So please subscribe. It's going to be a really fun year for new news in 2024. Again, if you're at winter warm up tomorrow, again, let us know. I'd love to meet you. I'll be there one more time. And yeah, I think that mostly wraps it up. So on behalf of Andrew, Sandy, and I, thank you so much for watching. 
and we will see you soon.